You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Tegan, I help connect businesses with tech talent and today I'm your host. So firstly, I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone for joining me today to discuss creating high performance teams um, on the Evolution Exchange podcast. So firstly, before we begin, if everyone would like to give me an introduction about themselves, that would be great. Um, Sergey, we'll start with you. Uh, hello, can you hear me all right? Yep. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'm Sergey Bososki. I'm working as a product manager currently at Tink, uh, responsible for the uh, biggest uh, open banking provider in Europe. Uh, I am responsible for the accounts products. Uh, at Tink, before that, I have been working at Spotify, and before that, at a few more companies, uh, mostly as a software engineer. Okay, fantastic. If we head over to Marcus. Is that to me? Uh, so yeah, um, my name is Marcus uh, Ferrick. I am uh, self-employed. I've got my own company. Last gig I did was at uh, Voy as an engineering manager for their operations business unit. And before that, I've been into the gambling industry couple of years, even Betson, Unibet, um, and Net Entertainment, and earlier that, Ericsson. So, those short funding. Thanks. Fantastic. Thanks, Marcus. Viputi, we'll head over to you next, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, uh, so my full name is Viputi Alwalia. I'm originally from India, but I moved to Stockholm close to like nine years back. And since then, I've uh, it, it's good to hear from Michael that you've been into data treatment. I was also there probably for five, six years. Somehow our paths didn't cross much. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm recently, I'm, I'm right now in between roles. So I'm working, uh, currently I'm working as, for three more days at least, working as a development manager in Worldline. For, uh, but then I'm moving to Betson uh, in a week or two from now to take up the role of a product development manager. So yeah, it's 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 a transitioning phase right now. So maybe Michael, I can get some tips and tricks from you. You've been into the gaming business and that's where <laughs> I'm heading. Fantastic. Well, just on that note, we'll head over to Michael next. Thank you. Uh, so my name is Mikael Boman. I started my career as a software developer last millennium, I like to say these days, with all the young people in the industry, uh, but moved on to agile ways of working quite quickly. I got introduced to extreme programming in the early 2000s and then Scrum in 2003. So after that, I started focusing on working with improving ways of working in different companies, uh, in different roles, coach, trainer, management roles, and so on. Uh, currently, uh, I'm working as a product manager for Cytiva, previously known as GE Healthcare, uh, for a digital product in the biopharma manufacturing space. Very interesting these days with all the vaccine being produced around the globe. Okay, fantastic. Well, 
Guys, I'm going to head into the questions now. Um, we had some really, really strong questions. And obviously, I know that you guys did provide me with, um, you know, quite a few, which is fantastic. Um, so, Michael, just sticking with you, um, the question that you asked was, is cross-functional always the right choice for a team? If you could just give me a quick summary on that and elaborate on it, um, you know, just quickly, and then I'll head around the table and everybody can give their input. Sure. So this question comes from, I mean, the, this is one of these fundamental pieces or thinkings in the agile space that we should move to cross-functional teams because they are typically much better than the silo teams where you have specific competencies per team and then you pay the cost of a lot of handovers, you have less focus on the whole and, and so on. Many different challenges with non-cross-functional teams. But I have some thoughts on this topic, but I was very interested to hear other stuff, uh, thoughts as well. Is it always the case that we should go for cross-functional teams or are there situations where you shouldn't? So I was thinking that I shouldn't give my answer away first, but rather listen to everyone else and then I'll share my thoughts. Well, <laughs> that's okay. Fantastic, absolutely. Um, Viporti, we'll come to you first, just because I know that you have had exposure with working with a cross-functional team. Yeah. Um, I. I, I personally, I think as we have all in the agile world, cross-functional team is something that you all relate to. You know, they, you, uh, there's a lot of interrelated tasks and then you you don't have to depend on another team. There's a le lot less handover items, handholding. So there are a lot of benefits to it. But yeah, it did uh, boggle my mind uh, when, uh, when, I, uh, when I referenced to your questions on is it actually very beneficial? But if I if I take a step back from the agile, uh, for me, it uh, a success of a team actually doesn't matter whether it's cross-functional or not. It's the delivery and the value that the team produces. That is what is the most uh, that that is what is needed, whether it's being done by a, a cross-functional team or a group of only developers or a group of uh, you know having a single expertise. If they are developing the right value that's uh, pretty much enough. So uh, what, in my mind, the cross-functional team aspect is more on um, identifying a technique or tool to make sure that we are not losing anything between the gaps. So uh, you may have a team of developers, you know, they would develop from, uh, you know, take up the business requirements, break it down, do the architecture testing, and voila, you have a fantastic product. But by just introducing different aspects and different uh, uh, various uh, streams, you just try to fill in the gaps that you feel as a person or as a product or as an organization that might occur. So I think that's the whole purpose. But if you find all those quality between one single or a group of people, irrespective of what they are, which field they are in, it, it, I think it doesn't make a difference. Okay, fantastic. Um, Marcus, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I really uh, would people did uh, in a really good, good, put uh, in a very good answer. She basically took all the pros and cons of, uh, in there and, and presented it. So, yeah, you've been a little bit speechless, but one thing I found with, with, um, cross-functional team, at least the ones I've been working with, is that you own your own code. 
which is pretty good. But, and, and that means that you probably will have some sort of support um, as well as, as the group. And if you don't want to work overtime, uh, you make sure that you're you're delivering a very good product because no one else is going to take care of it. It's going to end up in your lap, so to speak. And I think that's one of those pros. But if it's good or bad, I don't know. It's just a flavor. If you deliver um, and the team's happy, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can completely um, understand that take on things. Sergey, have you got anything to add at all on, on this particular topic? Well, yeah, I think like um, if we if we take a look into the cross-functional itself, it's uh, there's no value in being cross-functional just for the sake of it. Uh, it truly depends what the team is actually working on, what your organization is optimizing for. Uh, and then uh, it's all about giving the team that you have all the tools uh, it needs to be able to deliver what they need to deliver as independently as possible. Because obviously the dependencies on other teams usually slow you down. Dependencies, uh, if you just move some functions completely in, into one team, there is a huge risk that the, the efficiency that you want to achieve is not going to be there. But I've seen many times in my career that uh, the product that you work in just doesn't really have to be cross-functional. Like you can deliver what you want to deliver. Like it can be a platform team, for example, very deep in the in the company that only needs, uh, let's say, backend developers because it's an internal product from developers to developers. Uh, there is no UI, there is no design needed, there is no front-end work needed. Like that, that there is no value of having the cross-functional. I think for me, that's the gist of it. Like it, it's a good tool to to achieve independence. Uh, just like you don't have to apply it blindly. Yeah. Okay. Well, Michael, obviously, do you feel that, that you know? Do you feel that the inputs answered your question? Yeah, uh, and I, I like the end note from Sergey here that, I mean, it, it is not a tool that should be applied all the time, so obviously, like most things. So it is, when it fits, then you should definitely go for it. My experience with this, if I may share that very briefly, is that cross-functional teams is sort of the norm when you do software, if you can have a successful team where people can actually support each other within the team. So for me, and we'll come back to this in some of the other questions, to be a good team, the individuals in the team need to be able to support each other to some extent. So when I've strayed away from cross-functional teams have been in more complex scenarios, for example, when working with both hardware and software, then it's very hard to get a team where everyone in the team can do all the tasks needed of the team. So then it's that you need to find specialists teams for some things and cross-functional teams for other parts and find good ways for them to work together. So I think this balance is really interesting in, in finding the best balance because it is about that. So, so there's no given answer you should always do like this. And that's that's where the challenges and fun part of being a manager comes in. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. You know, or everyone's input was absolutely, you know, fantastic. The exposure that you guys have had 
you know, really does, it really is highlighted when questions like this are asked. Um, that's fantastic, Michael. I'm, I'm glad that you feel that, that you know, you're able to get some, some clarity on that. So, Viputi will come to you next. Um, your question was, how does reorganisation affect a team and how can we as managers have an impact on this? Again, if you'd like to elaborate and then I'll go around the table and ask the guys how they feel. Yeah, um, I, uh, my question is more centering around the, there's hardly any company that doesn't go through reorganization. It, it can be because of merger, it can be because of streamlining different part, it can be, you know, expanding the business and there are humongous reasons around it. So, but when you have a high performing team already uh, and there is an organizational level change, it does affect the team. Uh, it, it, the high performance definitely would go, uh, can go anywhere. <laughs> it, I'm not necessarily saying it would go down, but it can uh, affect them. So how we as manager can, you know, uh, take that effect to the minimum. Uh, so if you have any tips and tricks, I've, I've applied my own, but I would definitely like to boggle your mind, you know, just pick your mind to to get more items into my kitty. Fantastic. Well, you know, that that's a great summary. I'd love to know what your guys' thoughts are on that. Sergey, we'll come to you to begin with. Uh, yeah, I have probably heavily biased towards the product here. Is for me the organization uh, in the first in the first place. Organization exists to to bring value to somebody. Usually, it's own uh, end users or customers, uh, and that usually comes first. And there there is no value on having a team that is extremely effective but doesn't really speak to that uh, value that organization have to deliver. Um, but in the end, uh, sometimes we we. Just, uh, what organizational changes means for us. Uh, it's, uh, you have to change the way the team operates. Um, um, it means either you're disbanding the team completely or you are you adjust the vision or goals for the team itself that you're doing. Uh, these are usually pretty rough times because uh, sometimes not everybody in the team gonna like it. Uh, sometimes you are you just a previous vision that you set for the team need to complete rework. Uh, but in my experience, usually like when the group of individuals you have as a team uh, is already performing high, well enough, they have a good level of trust in each other. They, they, they co-dependent, they help each other. You can have a reasonable discussion on them on, on the change of direction that makes sense for them to contribute to the new value, uh, to get into the new, uh, support network that you have within the new or changed organization. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes it means we have to say goodbye to some people, uh, or we have to split our ways as a team or completely reform that group of individuals. But uh, I, I usually go with the organization first here. Okay, I think you make some fantastic points, um, you know, especially on, you know, about being so collaborative. I think that's a huge part of, you know, working in such a large team. Now, Marcus, I know that you've also had a lot of exposure to, to large teams, so maybe you could shed some light on this also. 
Yeah, sure. Um, like I last last uh, position then was at Voy and where we where I started November uh, September last year and uh, started with one team that was decided it would grow. We knew it was going to grow because uh, we were hiring and we knew, also knew that we had to split the team. What I did do that I had an, an open discussion with the whole team. So they knew that and understood that this was coming way of time, way ahead of time and let involve them in this discussion and also in the decision of how we should split the team. And, and then actually gave them uh, an opportunity of decide where they, if they wanted to stay or if they wanted to go to the other, to the other team. So, I, but the other team was going to start small and then uh, we're going to hire and put in more people in that team. We were also going to fill up uh, the team's members that we lost uh, for the back end, for example, into the, uh, the other team, the, the team that stayed. So I had an open discussion and, and build on the trust. And just, uh, I would say we had probably a month where we had a little bit of a dip, but then they were up and running. Uh, the first team, the second team, of course, it took longer. I mean, that was starting from scratch. Um, but with a couple of new guys, with uh, people within the organization and knew how to build and how to work together and then just hired from there on. That was, uh, that's how I did it. Yeah. Communication and uh, involve them, I would say, is the most important. Do you think if maybe you didn't involve the team so much, the transition would have been more difficult? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, coming from there where you have to, I mean, my approach is when I come into a new team is that I give them my trust and then I have to earn their trust um, and not the other way around. It's That's that's how I work. Uh, I trust them 100% and they, I give them their, their freedom to work and then I have to prove myself to them. And so this is, uh, I think it's, it's key. Well, it's proven very effective so far, Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Michael, what what's your take? What's your take on on Viputi's question? Well, not sure. I have too much to add after all these great comments already. Mm. Uh, I mean, this is a problem we or problem a thing we've seen quite a lot. I guess all of us. It does happen a lot. Maybe some too often in some cases. Uh, my focus is, I think, is basically what Marcus said, including the people involved in the change in both understanding why, uh, so they share the understanding of that, otherwise they will not be engaged in changing, but also help being involved in developing the goal. What are we striving for? Um, there, I, I've actually done experiments with fully self-creating teams, just saying, we need to form three teams, go do it, you guys. And that can work in some environments. It's a bit experimental. I've, I've seen it both work and not work. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, I've, I've felt a need as a manager or re- person responsible to set some boundaries on that freedom. So you cannot be all senior developers in the same team. That will not be good for the whole. That will be a local optimization for that team, but not for the company. So if you can combine the freedom with a few guiding uh, parameters that can actually work quite nicely. So 
but that, that that is basically what the other guys were saying that including people in doing it and defining how it should be done i think you're on mute tegan Sorry. So, yeah, I think the fact that you're speaking from experience and the fact, you know, that you kept it very real there, um, you know, letting us know that you have seen it both work and not work. And that's very refreshing. I think people are often, you know, afraid to disclose failure. Um, but, you know, that that's how we learn. It, it's the way we move. So it's the way we grow. Um so yeah, I think that I think that was a great insight. Viputi, how do you feel uh, about the the um, answers to your question? I definitely like I, uh, I just to start with Sergey when he mentioned that there is this you know you kind of if you already have a high performing team there's kind of a support group that you already have and you can have an open discussion because there's a, a high level of trust already built up in the team. So with that probably you can actually work with that trust existing and let them decide with the boundaries that I, I'm trying to summarize all three of their inputs, you know, just to have like a combination of all three to to take that insights and actually take uh, the, the boundaries criteria and give it to the team so that they can, you know, experiment with it to start off with. And then, of course, while along the way, while the teams are, um, there's nothing is always set in stone. So, they, this is this is going to be an experiment whenever they change happen and no no one can tell whether it's a merge like I've recently been through in Worldline uh, it was a big merge two big companies coming in together to form one single entity and there are certain decisions that you come to know about at the same time as the team so uh, but there uh, I think having a high performing team is actually a benefit to your side that you can trust them and have like a mature discussion and give them the opportunity to decide what they can. Okay, perfect. Um, you know, I think that was, I think that was, it really was a, you know, a, a perfect summary of everyone's answer. Um, Marcus, we'll head to you next. Your question was, what makes a high performing team and how can we maintain motivation within a high performance team? If you could just elaborate on that a little bit further for me. Yeah, I mean, we all, we have four people here and we're, I, we, all of us have probably a different understanding of what a high performance team are and when do we reach that point. Um, I would like to hear yours and, and uh, maybe I can elaborate on my view after that. Fantastic. Um, Sergey, we'll head over to you. You first, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I think, like, if we look into high performance from from the point of the organization, it's the team that brings uh, a big impact and the big value. Uh, it delivers the big value to the rest of the organization. Uh, it doesn't really always means uh, a big number of deliver deliveries per se. It means that they should be meaningful, they should be impactful, uh, they should solve the right things for for the organization and for what was set for the team. And I think, like, if we work from there, uh, there's a number of components that constitutes that. Um, 
like the the team is essentially it, it's not like it's a group that have to work together towards the specific goal so they have to understand uh what's the goal is what the impact of the work they have uh without that like it, it's hard to to deliver meaningful input in the first place if none of the individuals in the team understand that uh that means that also usually it means that for the individuals in the team that work have to be meaningful it's not just a sun metric up over there uh that we have to drive but it should be relatable it should be easy for them to to uh to kind of motivate themselves towards that goal uh and then uh and I think that's the most important part is the, the team is essentially have need to have uh, or need to be a network that supports each other. They should work close to each other. They should trust each other. They should be able to help each other, which means uh, not only on the individual level, it also means uh, like we, we can like each other as a people, uh, but it also means it's always clear like when somebody's stuck with doing some parts of the work, uh, team have a good ways, a good process to, to identify that, uh, help that person uh, in time quite quickly. Uh, when the team identifies that the problem becomes a little bit bigger than they initially anticipated, they have a good way and a good process to identify that crowd around that and, and solve it. Um, so for me, that's pretty much to summarize. Uh, Team have to high-performing team have to be a good network of individuals that collaborate with each other effectively, have a meaningful work, um, have a good way to relate to to the impact they deliver on the organization, and at the same time understand pretty well what they have to deliver. When you have all these components, it's usually it's quite easy to optimize to to maximize the impact uh, of the team to that they deliver. To the organization and that in the end is the high performing team for me okay fantastic you posed some fantastic points there um michael head to you next what what's your take on this so i love the best oh i think you're slightly breaking up michael sorry better Uh, it's just a little bit crackly. That's more time, better now. That's perfect, thank you. Okay. So for me, a high-performing team, I would summarize it as a team that can can consistently deliver on ambitious plans. So there needs to be some ambition to it as well to be a high-performance team. And you don't do this by a high performing team doesn't accomplish this by working crazy hours or anything like that, but it's about working smart, leveraging and supporting each other within the team. And for me, there are a number of um, criteria you can look at when you, if you look at a team, if you see these things, they can be indicators that maybe they are on a path to becoming a high performing team. Sergey mentioned quite a few of them, but maybe a couple I don't think I heard that I like to look at is things like uh, empathy as well. Uh, I people 
caring about people for me is an essential part of becoming a really good team. Uh, so people can feel safe and continuously develop without fearing to be treated badly by others in the team. Uh, and then the other part of this question, how, how to maintain the high performance is also a very interesting thing. So for me, I think a couple of things I would, I would work with is about tickling the team's curiosity and ambitiousness. So giving them interesting and challenging tasks every now and then, because that will keep them motivated to stay good. If you drag them down into just maintaining a system they developed 10 years ago, they will lose motivation, typically, these high-performing teams. You also do need to give them autonomy quite a lot. So not controlling in detail what they're doing. They need to be involved in defining that to stay motivated. And again, also as an organization and manager, make sure you care about them as people. Don't work them too hard. Give them freedom to decide things like working from home or working at the office and so on. They need to be involved in those decisions to stay motivated, I think. Fantastic. I think you're absolutely right. And just to pick on, you know, uh, something that you slightly touched on there, I think consistency and ambition is something that, you know, does come from management and it it, it is, you know, highly motivating within a team when everybody's doing well. Um, Viputi, what's your, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, my thoughts are actually not very different to what Michael has already mentioned. Uh, the, I think it, it probably was said, but in a different way. I think one point that I see in a high-performing team is that you don't have like individual leaders. There's a shared leadership environment within that team. So you don't identify one person within a team as a leader. So uh, that's one thing. Maybe it was said in a different way, but uh, probably I'm just trying to highlight it. Uh, the, uh, the other part, I think on the maintaining side of it, uh, me as manager, what I have inputs is you need to give them a lot of, um, I don't know, maybe I'm missing the English word, uh, uh, a lot of yeah, the, where they can experiment on. They, you, they need to define, there's a load, uh, they, you can provide them with a vision, but there are a lot of goals and everything that they have to set. And the goals needs to be, or the vision needs to be more organizational centric, because if they are high performing and they are probably delivering not on a very small scale because they are more engaging. They are more engaging in how that our input will affect the organization and the goals and the vision that the organization have. So uh, I think with different where the team lies in, it needs the goals needs to be there. Uh, so with a high performing thing, I feel the goals needs to be a bit more high, uh, how they are contributing to the organization level. Um, on the other leadership type, I think um, having uh, encouraging more individual initiatives because that will give them the scope to experiment and uh, have that would also provide uh, that we or maybe make them uh, more believe in uh, in the trust that we have with them because if they can experiment if they can have their own initiatives it you know we are building a level of trust also with them yeah so just to add on to the various different points that was that yeah no some fantastic points made there again um, you know, Marcus, how do you feel that the, um, you know, the replies to your question, how do you feel about those? I think they ticked all the boxes I've had and then some extra. Uh, Sergey, I would say we'd, uh, you probably just 
that was where my mind was most of it. But Michael, you had really good stuff as well coming up. Uh, and you too, Vibhuti. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't have anything else to add, I would say. But um, well, well, yeah, there's one thing, though, that we are. And what, what I found was that always be always be there for them, listen to them, understand their problems, uh, maybe not come with a solution, uh, more of a guidance to what they could do and think about, be like a bouncing kind of a, uh, what do you call it? Um, ball planking Swedish, I can't remember, whatever. Just something to bounce on, to be like, be there for them. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's uh, one of those things as well. But 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 that was that was one of it. But how do we get them to stay? How do you keep them? Okay. Uh, what else do we need than just giving them? Because um, it comes to time when they sort of are, well, I'm done this part now for a while. I'd like to go elsewhere. But you still want to use them and their knowledge, and maybe. Um, have them grow within the company, maybe not stay in your team, but grow somewhere else within the company. How do we, what should we do there? I mean, I, I had, what I tried to do, I was trying to hire people. I I hired people that was uh, not as experienced because the, the guys I had was pretty much up there so they could climb and, and level up, if you want to call it that way. And then have the other, they, they will be the mentors for other people to climb by. But once you reach a certain point, uh, you know, that's like it's, they hit the roof basically. And they might not want to be a manager. Not everyone is as a good manager if you're an engineer or other around. Uh, so, how do, we, how do we keep those guys and girls interested to stay there? Yeah, I think you make a fantastic point um, just with regards to, you know, maybe once you've you feel that you have reached the top, you know, where do you sort of go from there? I feel is yeah. is maybe what you're getting at, Marcus. Does anybody have anything to uh, elaborate on that? Yeah, so I, I like that question because it is uh, it is a challenge. I mean, not everyone wants to be a manager. Not everyone should be a manager. So you need to find challenges that fit fit those very skilled technical people who may get some satisfaction, at least some of them will get satisfaction from coaching others, as, as you were saying, Marcus. I think that that's a very good way to do it from some, but others may not even like that. So you need to be adaptable as a manager and as an organization to accommodate that. Maybe some of these people should be put to the side to be in an innovation team or something that can to use their skills, their knowledge to do exploratory things for that benefits the organization as a whole. Maybe not all the time. Maybe you can strike a deal. You get to do that for a few months and then you support this team for three months. I mean, be creative about it. But as you said, finding good people is hard and you want to keep them. So you need to be open to be a bit creative with those who are really senior and, and can actually get some special treatment, even if that is not necessarily the norm in Sweden. But I think that's fine. It should be. Fantastic. I think, Vipoti, maybe you've got an input on this also? Yeah, um, I think there, there was this idea that we had in Worldline that I really liked. We have this expert community. 
So where you uh, where you can you basically apply to it. It's not that anyone can go in and apply. And there's a there's a lot of filtering process because it's a big organization. That's one of the other reasons. But if you can create help create a community where people who are more interested in doing a, you know some R and D project. If not every time we can have an R and D. Uh, you know, person can move because it's critical to the project. You don't want to move them outside right away. But then uh, we have this 10% allocation of their time that they can officially work on a project that's outside. And then with the other people uh, on the domain that they all really like to work on. I think that is something that I find uh, at least motivational for in in one of my person in my team that uh, they, it, she really liked it. Because uh, it it was an option for her to you know not getting binded in that mono, uh, in in the work that we are doing every day, so she gets to you know experiment uh, and companies approving for it, and there are all the like-minded people who are you know challenging each other. So it's it was a different way to uh, you know keep them motivated, keep their in, uh, you know aspirations high. Okay, fantastic. Well. Hopefully, Marcus, you know, that that's managed to, um, you know, take away any cloud that you had that was left over your question. Um, I think the I think the contributions have been great. Uh, just heading on to the next question. Um, the next question came from Sergey. Uh, this will be our final questions, guys. So, you know, pitch in where you can. Um, Sergey's question was, what constitutes a team? Is it developers officially assigned to a team and how do we define leadership around that team? Sergey, if you'd like to elaborate on that a little bit further for me. Yeah, uh, sorry, that's a like extremely broad question and I, I did that intentionally. Um, yeah, so I, I think like uh, when we start thinking about what, what is the team, Sometimes it's a super easy answer, but like for me as a manager, for example, uh, I can slice and dice uh, different forums I participate in into multiple teams, right? Like I, I'm uh, I'm a part of a management team. I'm a part of a team that delivers the value. Uh, I'm a part of probably some subset of a management team and so on and so forth. Uh, so. But there, are, we still use a word team for some reason, despite the fact that the boundaries sometimes can be extremely blurry. Uh, so just a very open question. Uh, what's your thought on how, how would you define a team? Fantastic. Um, Viputi, we'll head back to you first, if that's OK. Sure. Um... To me, actually, uh, it's a different take. I think I, I didn't I didn't thought of it in that way, Sergey. That uh, one person being part of multiple teams. But when I think of a team, or if I put myself in a team, it's what I really think is uh, that we are performing our interdependent tasks to actually achieve a single goal. That's uh, that's my very simplistic definition of a team. That I, if I am part of a team, I think I'm. I'm I have an interdependent task with the other team members that I have, or if the team that I have, they, it's basically the same thing. But uh, but we are all trying to achieve one common goal, like one uh, which that that is what we would like to conquer, uh, if I may say. And everyone plays their role and plays their part in it. But uh, when I thought of this, I didn't think of um, a different 
different teams that I'm part of because probably I might be related to one team more and the other teams are probably dependent on me on different aspect. But if I just wide, widen the uh, scope here, it's if I may say the, the actual goal is where the organizational goals lie. And because of that, I'm playing multiple uh, uh, parts in different teams just to align and achieve that one single uh, vision that we would like to achieve as an organization. I don't know, I might be confusing this a bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, as I'm speaking, I'm trying to widen the horizon here. So, but that's, that's I, what I feel. I, I think that there's one, uh, if, if you guys are together achieving something that's same and you are dependent on each other to achieve it, I'm part of that team. Let's do it together. That's great. Viposi, I don't think you expanded too much at all. You know, I want you guys to think about these questions, you know, with an open mind, um, you know, ready to, to provide some, you know, fresh. We want you guys um, to, to look at these questions through a fresh set of eyes. So fantastic, Viposi. Obviously, you've you're speaking from experience, which is exactly what we want. Um, Michael, how do you feel about this? So I, I have a maybe simplistic definition, but still for me, a team is a group of people that have a shared goal and work collaboratively towards that goal. And that means it can be a team of developers trying to develop a product together. It can be a team of managers trying to lead an organization in a way. Um, so, so you obviously will have different skills. You will have different personalities and so on, but focusing on that shared goal and actually supporting each other in reaching that, that is what makes you a team instead of just a group of people who individually work towards their individual goals. So when it comes to leadership for this, well, it, my, my first instinct would be to say something like, it's about creating the best environment for the team to flourish, which is not very specific, <laughs> but it's very, very much tied for me to what we were talking about when we talked about high performance teams. So being leader who makes sure that the leader of the team who creates the team or sets the team up, make sure that they have this clear goal. So they know what they're striving for. Give them autonomy to decide how to move towards that goal. Tickle their curiosity and ambitiousness to, to make them want to sort of challenge themselves and improve a little bit so they don't get stale and care about them as people, as a manager, because then they will care about, learn how to care about each other as well, and learn that empathy is actually a good thing in building a better team. So there are many, I, I've done a lot of sports in my days, and I, there are so many examples of this when you see a leader of a sports team who is more empathetic or more of the screaming variety, yeah. the engagement and the sort of motivation of the team members is quite different. You can get success by screaming to people, but it's not necessarily long-lived. If you want to build something that's sustainable, screaming is likely not the best option. But then you're better building with empathy. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I think the, the point of view that you're coming from, um, from a managerial point of view, is you know exquisite. I don't feel that you could have explained it any better. Um, Marcus, what's your take on this? 
Yeah, oh, I'm last out again, huh? Uh, you've covered most of it. <laughs> and it, but I, I agree with, uh, with all of you. Uh, and Michael, I think definitely the empathy is the one that really gets the te team, whatever they are, to work uh, better, to achieve more. Uh, and um, like if we have a common goal, basically we are a team. Um, and we deliver together whatever it is we are delivering. And if they don't have trust and, and like to uh, meet each other, can joke around and have, uh, yeah, have a good time at work. Um, I think that that's that's a team, really. Um, and then if you can, yeah, that's that's it. I, I would say like we had in actually at uh, Roy, in the teams, we had a saying that is, is one for all and all for one. We really stole the, the three musketeers thing and, and we delivered on that as well. Which and when you have that, it's it's fun to go to work. Uh, and yeah, that's that's the most important part, I think. Definitely. Well, you know, I think all of your inputs were were fantastic. Um, everybody was coming from, you know, a different place, which is which is brilliant. Um, Sergey, how do you feel about the replies to your question? Well, I, I like the overarching team. Uh, I I am the definition that we sort of came up in here, which is the team is essentially the the group of individuals that working towards the goal. Uh, we just have to acknowledge that sometimes one individual may be in more than one team. And uh, when it comes to leadership, the way I see that, um, these are quite frequently people who have to wear more than one hat uh, to, to work on. And uh, then you have to decide which one is the priority for you. Um, quite frequently, it is actually making some other group of people that you're also a part of. Uh, but your main goal is not to make them more effective, to make them, uh, to, to enable them, to embrace them. Uh, and uh, that becomes sort of your first team, the, 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 the leadership team that surrounds one or multiple teams and uh, making them more effective. But at the same time, you also stay within the group of people that delivers a specific value to, to the company. It's just like not necessarily your first priority. They should be able to live without you being there always present. Okay, brilliant. Um, obviously, you know, I think that because you've all come from such a different um, background and environment, you've all had brilliant points to make. Um, I hope you guys are all happy with the, the replies to your questions. Um, I know I certainly have. I've definitely gained a lot from this call. Um, has anybody else got anything they'd like to add? No? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Thank you for bringing us together. Oh, not a problem at all. You know, it, it's been a fantastic opportunity, um, you know, and hopefully this will be the start of great relationships going forward. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm so glad that, that it, it's gone so well. Um, what I'll do now, guys, is I'll just wrap it up. Um, 
you know and then I'll start recording them and be able to go to go through um, a few bits with you so we'll leave it there for today this has been the evolution exchange podcast I want to take this opportunity to thank Sergey, Michael, Viputi and Marcus for providing their insights into the topic and thank you so much for listening <laughs>